podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Downey. And this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club. And as ever, there are a few to talk about, so let's do it all over again. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I am, my friend. Where do we even start? Where do we even start? I, 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 it's almost impossible to get your angles right here. Um, but I guess we'll talk with the mo- talk about the most recent thing first, which was um, the most recent uh, win. Um, and then we have to go back, I guess, to the previous game um, uh, in the Premier League. Those two games, the draw against Spurs and the win over Aston Villa, have left us feeling different things uh, and in different ways. Um, the league has taken a twist and not an awfully unpredictable one, really, when you think about it. If we were going to drop points, it was always going to start to look very, very difficult. Um, I want to go into a few different scenarios with you, but just overall now, with three games remaining for City, the first of which is tonight, um, with the two for us, the three-point gap, um, should they win their match, and the goal difference being what it is now, I think it's back to three. I mean, are you more or less sort of um, hopeful than you were after the dropped points at Spurs? Uh, I don't know, Trev. I mean, obviously, the good news with that uh, in in between, well, good news or whatever, is that, you know, there's a couple of those that they're very important defenders who are going to miss their games. Uh, and also, guess that the closer you get to the Wolves and the West Ham games from Manchester City, you, you look at what they're capable of and you think, well, okay, it's not a bad set of away fixtures. If you're a Liverpool fan, and, and it, they're, they're tricky for. Uh, for City to come through, isn't it? And now West Ham all of a sudden, you know, being out of the Europa League and they could still finish in sixth, which means a lot to them, isn't it? So there is still a chance, isn't it? But just think that those two late goals against Newcastle to make it 5-0 just made that goal difference almost worth a point, isn't it? So it's going to be extremely difficult, Trevor, but I think we knew that all along. I think we knew that from the first whistle of the season right the way through, even when we were a point behind and bombing along. We just couldn't quite get there, but it isn't over yet. It's not no, and 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 I'm very much aware that I'm asking you an impossible question there because it's always always hard to know what to say. But you know, uh, I I it's kind of my my job here to to act the the, the gobshite and ask the stupid questions because it is kind of upsetting uh, to think about how many points um, this team that we follow has accumulated and how it may not be enough in the end, um, and how. 
were we to go on and attain maximum points from now, I think it would be the fifth or sixth highest ever Premier League points tally. And that would be another one of those would have been our previous one where we came second by a point. And these kind of things do stick in the craw and it makes you focus on why it is that City are able to do what they're able to do. And in a week where they've signed um, almost almost so depressingly, predictably, they've signed uh, Erling Haaland. Um, it just reminds you, doesn't it, um, of... I think this is probably the way to look at it, Yeah, It reminds you of what an outstandingly good job is being done at Liverpool. I'm not making out that we're, we're paupers, but to be able to compete with a, a team that can just fire money at the wall till it sticks... Um, that's really what that's really the achievement we have to lean into here. It's not as consoling as league winners' medals around your neck, but you know it's the hand we we've been dealt. And I feel if we keep making smart signings, we'll keep putting it up to them, and maybe that's what we just have to accept. Yeah, I think that is what we have to accept. I mean, Klopp said that in in the week, I think, leading up to the um, to the Aston Villa game where. You know, he was he was faced with that question about Haaland signing for City, and he said, "Well, listen," he said, "I signed a two-year extension to my contract at Liverpool, very well knowing that Manchester City were going to go on. Manchester City were going to try and improve again, and they played almost now two full seasons without a number nine, so it was only a matter of time before they picked somebody. It looks like a good signing. We often get praised for the fees that we managed to negotiate to sign players, and if fifty-one million for Haaland is true." Then right this moment in time, that is excellent value, you have to say. Uh, reality might be something different. Uh, but I don't necessarily buy into what's it going to do to City? Is City going to get another 10 points on top every season? I don't think so. Are they going to score another 30 goals? I don't think so. Uh, I think where he's going to make a difference is in those tight games. In those tight games where City don't quite hit it the right note or the opposition come with a lot of quality and you need a striker. You know, that's where, there's a reason that we pay top, top dollar for strikers and goal scorers. And I think that's where he's got to make a difference, Haaland. Uh, but of course, there is a, a suggestion there's certain people who think that he found it very difficult. If, if you look at Slatan uh, Ibrahimovic at, at Barcelona with Pep Guardiola, that didn't work out particularly well. Uh, so it would be interesting to see how he integrates and what he expects him to do. You know, Haaland is very much, in many ways, a very simple footballer. You know, he doesn't need to overcomplicate things. And if there's a manager who can overcomplicate things, uh, it is per business. So he, if you look at Haaland and his qualities and how he wants to play the game, he would have probably been better suited, you know, at, at Liverpool or even the way that Spurs play on the counter-attack. But he's at City. And immediately looks like he, you know, he's going to strengthen them. Uh, but we knew that. We did. And like I say, it was almost depressingly predictable that it was going to happen. Uh, they timed it to sort of, I suppose, salve some of the wounds that were very, very apparent, um, especially from the manager who increasingly looks as if um, there's a liver bird. Uh, neon sign flashing on and off inside his eyes every time he closes them because he's obsessed. Jan, I've I've never seen anything like it. He cannot get through an interview without sideways referencing Liverpool. Um, 
it's become one of those cliches that I don't use because I don't like to use cliches uh, to say that, you know, somebody's rent, living rent free in your head. But wow, if ever there was an instance of that being true, it's with Guardiola. I don't know what to make of it. Listen, listen for example, to this little sequence from an interview that he gave um, after not the it was actually after the city win over Newcastle, the 5-0 that you referenced. We'll just see what you make of this, because I thought it was strange. Hopefully the audio quality will work out okay for you here. Title race, you have a three-point advantage now, a four-goal goal difference advantage. We talked in January the 1st when you had an 11-point advantage, it got bigger, and you said, well, if we've won it, we can go on holiday with my whole team to the Maldives. Uh, so three games ago, three-point advantage. Everyone's saying you've won it. Champions being sang outside. Your reply to that? A long week ago, nobody even being in front of everyone in this country support Liverpool, the media and everyone. So, uh, of course, because Liverpool has an incredible history behind in Europe competitions and not in Premier Leagues in the, because we won one in 30 years, but uh, but uh, it's not a problem at all. So, the situation is what it is. It's, we have to do nine nine points or maybe six right now. It depends of the, what's going to happen next two games in terms of goal difference. But uh, uh, now with Wednesday is a real, 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 real final for us. And he goes on with more cliches. But you see where I'm going with this, Jan. I mean, what, what first of all, what in the name of Christ is he talking about? Everybody supports Liverpool. Why, where, where is he going trying to build? We saw Jose Mourinho do this. Uh, make everything like us against them, but Guardiola is not built for that. Guardiola doesn't. Uh, granted, he can be quite pissy, uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't have that type of aggressive personality that Mourinho does uh, or did at least. Uh, he seems to have changed as well. I mean, can you can you explain this? Because I I don't understand the bitterness in him. Is it is it really just that that's really sticking in his craw about the European thing? Do you think maybe? the constant comments are starting to wear him down because it really does seem like an obsession. It does seem like an obsession. I mean, I, I, I can understand if sometimes when you're up against Liverpool, it can be overwhelming. Uh, but in terms of the whole country supports Liverpool, the only Premier League champions that the whole country have more or less supported was Leicester because we could all live with Leicester winning the league. It's much better than United winning the league or Chelsea or whatever. Uh, but I do understand that he maybe feels it's a little bit overwhelming, is it? Because there just is so many Liverpool fans. And of course, where, where we see our majority of football travel is on TV. And there is a, it's not called bias, but Liverpool and Manchester United are, are, are the two biggest clubs. So there'll always be more focus on them, whether they win or lose, you know, and you just have to get over yourself. Uh, when, when, when you think about that, that's just the way. Uh, that the, the whole football has been put together, isn't it? I mean, we, we get criticised in Danish TV for showing, we show Liverpool, Manchester United and Brentford. We don't decide what we put on TV. The viewers do. It's what the viewers want to watch. It's the same. So I can I kind of understand where he's thinking, you know. Uh, but the thing with the Manchester City whole project, and you've got to be careful what you say here, isn't it? But there is a lot of people who will never, ever be able to either buy into that or respect it. That is a fact of life, isn't it? And he has, he has to live with that. And the final thing I will say on this tour is that I guess for all the, for the three teams he's, he's managed, and we can't take away, he's done a really, really good job uh, at, at those three clubs. 
but he's never ever had a club with that kind of raw emotion, that adulation that you get when you're at Anfield. And probably he looks at that and he thinks, what I produce, yes, backed up by a lot of money, but what I produce, maybe he would love a, a, a group of fans behind him like we get at Anfield. Maybe he's thinking, my teams kind of deserve that, but they don't quite get that. Whether that will change in 20 or 30 years for Manchester City, just not sure. They will get more fans. <laughs> I think overnight, Trevor, they will gain in Norway half a million fans because this this story in Norway is just incredible. Just a story. I had to fly via Oslo today, uh, and it's obviously because my flight was cancelled. So I flew via Oslo, so it's on the front page of Norwegian papers. But also, on the plane going to Manchester, at least 60 Norwegian Leeds fans. I mean, the Premier League is just massive in Norway, you know what I mean? So there's going to be there's going to be three teams in Norway now, Liverpool, Manchester United and Erling Braut Island. It's, it's, it's a massive story, isn't it? Uh, rent-free, you call it. We, we live rent-free in Pep Guardiola said. I think that's fair, isn't it? Should he win the league? And it looks like he might. I don't even think he'll be able to, to, to relax because he knows it's going to be full on next season. It's going to be a strange season with the World Cup right in the middle, but he knows it's going to be full on. And if you're under that, if you're expected to win, or you're under that kind of pressure all the time, I guess it would get to you. <laughs> yeah, I get. You know what? I think I think that's very uh, measured and fair in, in response. Um, I just I think I, I see too much of it, um, and as a result, then it kind of it just leaves me soured on the guy. I mean, I saw him today, and this is really your. You are perfectly positioned to 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 talk about this just as a last thing on City. Um, and then we'll just look at their fixtures and then we'll move the hell away from them. It's just we can't avoid them at the minute. What with the way the situation is. He was talking about um, the spending of money and he was being very, in his usual kind of catty way, defensive about uh, nobody likes us, we don't care kind of. Um, and he was talking about who you know, who spent, when Liverpool in the 70s and 80s were winning, um, who was the team that spent the most money? And uh, United in the 90s. And, and the reporter was backing him up going, yeah, you're right, you're right. But um, Pep didn't seem to be happy with that. He just kept driving home at this point. But when we spend money, it's different, he said. Now, I think, actually, he's put his finger on it there. When they spend money, it is different. Because in my, and from my recollection, the financial collect that even a Liverpool team as great as the one you played in, it wasn't even vaguely comparable. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, relative, in relative terms. Sorry, I am talking about in re- relative terms. I don't mean, okay, the money, the, 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 the transfer fees back then were much smaller because blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, in relative terms, the spending power that a club like Liverpool or so dominant would have had compared to other clubs, it, it it just wasn't the same thing. Now, again, I could be wrong here, but I think people need to hear this from someone who 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 was there, who who lived through it, because as far as I can see, it's actually a daft comparison to make um, in terms of, like I said, relative spending power. But tell me, tell me, I'm wrong if I'm wrong. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, if you if you look at if you look at 70s and 80s and what the sort of goal rate was for the for, for, for the player uh then liverpool snuck plenty under that line didn't they i mean i was just thinking at the top of my head and i ronnie Whelan from home farm what was he 45 grand what did we pay for thin neil from northampton 
what did we pay for Bruce Grobelai? I mean, there was there was a lot of bargains there in the, in, the, in that instance. So I, I, I don't know where he's going with it. I mean, I, I think it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You know, who supports Liverpool? Liverpool fans support Liverpool, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward. Uh, most others don't believe me. I travel around the country a lot, and most other people don't support Liverpool. That's for sure. And they don't want Liverpool to win the league. I think even Manchester United fans would probably rather Manchester City uh, win it, isn't it? So yeah, it's uh, he's kind of. Did you see that quote yesterday, Trevor? What was that? Uh, after they made that signing, it was a quote from 2009 from Pep Guardiola. Oh, I did. Where he was he was lamenting. Um... He was sad about the way modern yeah, football was going. Yeah. yeah, sad. Yeah, <laughs> poor Pep. He's very, very, he's very, very emotional man. And I mean, we there is one sort of elephant in the room that we have to address. Obviously, Wolves are playing them uh, in about forty minutes time, and then they have West Ham, and then they have Villa. And uh, we'll be talking about Villa in a bit now as we reflect on last night's game, and. We can mention West Ham because now all of a sudden um, West Ham, who are out of Europe, have something very tangible to fight for if they want to be in Europe again. Um, Wolves, whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say about that. Those three games, regardless of what happens, if they don't get a certain points total and if we manage our maximum points, there is a situation where we to equalize in terms of goal difference where it could be a playoff, Jan. Have you seen this? There could be actually a playoff. So if I didn't read into the article how that was going to happen. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's 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 just it's it's worth it's worth having it, it, it just mention it. So basically, um if City get seven points. Uh, that's it. I think the, the title's theirs. But the way it works is if we end up on level points with equal goals scored and equal goal difference, then there is a 39th match option where um, the the teams will be playing a one-off sort of a game to decide the league which is very, very interesting potential reality. Um, at the minute, I think we've both scored 89 goals. Like I say, I think they're three better off in the goal difference count with a game tonight uh, to try and improve that again. So it look, I'm not saying it's even uh, likely, but it's a very interesting little one-off possibility that we have to we have to bear in mind. And if it were to happen, as you look at, as you glance at those fixtures, if you have a feeling you're good at all, and by the way, if you don't, then don't feel the need to comment on this at all. If you think that I look at those and actually I don't see anyone taking any points off them, but if you had to see them dropping three the the, the three points that we need them to drop, and then we need to do a lot of work around uh, the changing the goal difference, where do you think the most likely spot is? Is it West Ham? Well, yeah, I think it is Trevor because if if you look at West Ham uh, and 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 they've been sidetracked by. They're running Europe. There's no doubt about that, and they don't have the experience or the squad to cope with as of yet. But if you look at the trouble they gave us uh, when they beat us three two, they also beat Chelsea. Give them that same kind of of, of trouble, uh, and I can see them doing the same to, to Manchester City. I mean, on Sunday, the, the, the London Stadium will be absolutely rocking, and it will be about putting crosses into the penalty box. You know, Antonio being in there, Suchek joining our business and, and see if they can cause City some problems in and that they're gonna be missing Ruben Diaz, that's 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 for sure, isn't it? But also Wolves 
I mean, the one thing with Wolves, Trevor, generally, is that there isn't a lot of goals in their games. Uh, I think so far they've lost all of the games they played at home against teams in the top six, but only one nil, all of them in one nil. So there never is a lot of goals in, in the Wolves game. So they can always become tense in a way, isn't it? And I don't know how well they deal with that. I don't know how well City defend under pressure. They don't over-impress me under pressure. I come back to Ruben Diaz and, and Kyle Walker and John Stones not being there. So you might just be able to. But yeah, if you have to put your hat on a game, it, it would be it would be West Ham. I can, I can imagine West Ham, if they can get enough of the ball to build up a bit of steam and build up some atmosphere within the ground, that is often the problem when you play City, isn't it? It's, it's generate atmosphere because... City at times are very good at recognising where the game is at. And if the game is, 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 is getting a bit too wild, they just hide the ball, don't they? They, they take the ball off you and hide it away. It's always like they put it in the fridge, isn't it? Uh, but yes, West Ham would be the one. And then we, <laughs> then we have to do some work in terms of the goals. We've got to go to South Coast, Southampton, isn't it? I mean, Chelsea went there the other week and won six and could have won ten. It certainly looks like they're on the beach, not playing well at all, isn't it? So I thought there was a... I thought there was a little reaction in our play at Aston Villa. I don't think to start off we we played like it seemed. We thought we could still win the league. It was a bit of a weird game for, for the first thirty-five minutes of the first half. But I do think that should there be any kind of things happening against Wolves or at West Ham that we can we can get that urgency and energy back into our play, then that would make it really interesting. It surely will. And there are a couple of things that we need to lean into around about last night's game. Um, the man of the hour was Sadio Mane. Afterwards, he was pointedly asked about his happiness at the club because you'll have heard, same as I'll have heard, even though I think we both do our best to avoid these rumours. Uh, those very rumours about, you know, um, I think there's a year left in his contract, so obviously people are going to start talking. He was asked, was he happy? He says, yeah, I'm happy here. I think when we win trophies, I'll be happier. Um, but I think I'm trying to enjoy every moment to assist my teammates, and I think the boys make it a lot easier for me, and I am very happy. So I don't really know how you can um, come at that uh, as anything other than an answer in the affirmative from Sadio there with regard to his uh, future. I, for one, would be gutted to see him leave. I think um, he's so important. <laughs> I think people, I think if it's possible, he may well be still a little bit underestimated uh, for his, his excellence. Um, he maybe does a lot of stuff that people don't see. Um, uh, he maybe is responsible for a lot of work that, you know, um, they used to call when I was when I was a kid the silent spade work. He does. He 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 does the hard yards. He closes. He presses. He he tracks back. Um, he wins duels. He draws fouls. He takes the ball to the corner and the end and holds about seven lads off. He's got this tremendous strength and leap. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I do want to start it here, Jan. Um, in a in a climate where City are loading up with another big cannon in the form of Haaland, I don't think I don't think we can be. I don't think we can sh- be shipping anyone. Um, I've got to say, least of all Sadio Mane. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's, there's been a persistence over the last few days from 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 Sky Germany. Uh, of running this story, and it can very well just be that you know they spoke to somebody within within at at, at Bayern Munich. They said we would love to have a look at the Sadio Mane situation at Liverpool, and probably wouldn't go any further than that. The only thing I will say, Trevor, is that you know Firmino, Sadio, and, and Salah one year left on their contract. Could we envisage them all three of them getting new contracts? Uh, which 
you know, you would have to get close to a million pound a week to, to, to renew those three contracts. So could we see that happening? Or we know how our owners like to do business. I mean, is there any truth in, in the young boy at, uh, at Monaco? Uh, Too many. Yeah, are we still looking at Jude Bellingham? Uh, and the owners are going, well, okay, if you want to start in these areas, do, do we need to sell, isn't it? But yeah, Sadio Mane is... Sadio Mane is one of those that you look at because of the way he is. He's very quiet, he's very shy, isn't he? And you can almost sometimes draw the conclusion that he's a little underrated and he doesn't get the praise and the adulation that he deserves. But I don't think that is the case. You know, I think he's just one of those bankers, you know, that Liverpool fans, they just know what, what he's all about. Isn't he? He's one of those bankers, isn't he? More or less always delivers. Uh, and how he's risen. And I would like, you, you, you might have a view on this, Trevor, but how he is risen to the arrival of Luis Diaz. Uh, because maybe he felt that Luis Diaz had come in to replace him playing on the left, is the way he's once it's been tremendous. I think he has 12 goals since Diaz has, has, has arrived, isn't it? So uh, the Diaz uh, transfer has, uh, has, has kind of thrown a bit of a magic over, over almost everybody, hasn't it? Yeah, that's a really good point because in that same interview he talked and singled out Diaz for praise, talking about the type of delivery and cross that he puts in. And we've seen that, and you and I have talked about it in the past. He he, t- he puts in these really atypical crosses. You don't see Luis Diaz doing little dinked crosses to the back post or little curling, um, um, uh, in swinging balls or anything like that. He kind of drives it at the player uh, with, with tremendous accuracy, don't get me wrong. But that cross last night where he cut in and hits it across. And Sadio said, look, I mean, all I've got to do is direct it, you know, the powers on the cross, and that's an amazing thing. And, I mean, you know, um, as someone who played the game at the highest level, you know exactly what, what, what it is that Sadio is saying there. It does a lot of the job. That goal that, that goal that he scored last night, he had to concentrate on the very difficult job of, of basically burying his chin into his neck and angling his head to get that really difficult finish and make it look as easy as he did. But the cross did a lot of the work. Do you know what I mean? And and in a climate where we're used to seeing, and this is with the best will in the world, we're used to, we're used to seeing an awful lot of our players hit these kind of hopeful balls in. Thiago can hit a cross in with real purpose and power and direction. We know Trent can on his day as well. Occasionally Robbo, but an awful lot of them are percentage balls as well. But it, there's something about the delivery of the passes from Diaz that's an extra little string to his attacking bow and it makes a difference to us and you can see Sadio appreciates it. Yeah, I mean it was one of those, you know, it sounds funny when you say it, but it was low and hard, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. But I do however think that, that most players wouldn't have been able to deal with that cross. Uh, you know, as much as you say that, that the pace is on the cross, isn't it? it? It is, and that helps that helps whoever's going to hit the ball immensely. But anything beyond the pace on the, on the cross is very, very difficult. Most people wouldn't have been able to do what Sadio Mane did. It, it bit reminds me of Ian Russell's goal in the 89 FA Cup final against Everton from the John Barnes cross, isn't it? You know, yeah. the, the, the cross is there, but there's still a lot of work to be done, isn't it? You know, so Sadio Mane just to say, all I had to do, no, no, no. What he did was really, really special uh, because most people meet that full on, so pace to pace, and then they ends up wherever, isn't it? But, but, but he took the pace off that cross, and that was the beauty of this, wasn't it? The pace was on the cross, which I guess the pace on the cross allowed him to be as free as he was. I think that was the first help because he was whipped in like that. 
the, the Villa fan, uh, the Villa, the Villa players spotted it, but couldn't get there because of the pace on the crosses. But then after, all he didn't have to do, he had to take the, the, the pace off that cross and then guide it into the goal. And I thought it was a really, really good. It was like almost like nonchalant, wasn't it? You know, very, very good goal. Before we focus on what's essentially all positive stuff now with a, a cup final to speak about and look forward to uh, and a, a game against Southampton and obviously the, the, the remaining fixtures and, and one eye on the on the Champions League as well, uh, the final. I do want to just talk about the other sort of the sort of the only two downers over the last while were obviously the the dropped points against Spurs, if you look at it that way. Um it's hard not to, I guess. Um, and the injury to Fabinho, and I'm clicking around here on the on the the official website, which I suppose might be one of the last ones to tell you. Um, but there's nothing from 21 hours ago. The the Fabinho injury update is from 21 hours ago. So um, it's just basically from last night afterwards, where they were just quoting Kloppo saying that Fab had a good feeling and. Hopeful was hopeful that it wasn't too bad, but he was very non-committal as he would be. Um, now in the game itself last night, the man himself seemed to be kind of so off the pace. Whether that was uh, that that he had been carrying this injury into the match, or whether it was just a rare off day for him because there were misplaced passes and sort of loose stuff from him that we're not used to seeing. Um, and when Henderson came on after the half-hour mark. There's no two ways about it. Liverpool's form and control of the game just improved. Uh, they had a couple of chances after that, but we really did sort of dominate the game after that and made it a, a, a two-one, a very deserved two-one win. But none of us are stupid enough to think that we don't need a top uh, fit and firing Fabinho, especially when it comes to the Champions League final. And I'm, I'm just wondering now, we might have to be in a situation where we're looking at. Um, Thiago doing his bits and and Henderson doing his bits and hoping that um, hoping that we can get Fab back for final. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, so he gets injured on the tenth of May, eighteen days to the final. It, it, I mean, you always got to get what you say, but he didn't look too bad. You know, you know, as soon as he he, he made that uh, little bit of a sprint, he felt it straight away, and I don't think he's done anything to aggravate it. Uh, so eighteen days, fingers crossed. Uh, there's an outside chances, and normally under those circumstances, 14 days. But what will that do to Klopp's thinking? Let's say he's ready, available for the training ground on day 14 or 15. Uh, will that then be enough to convince Klopp? Although he's very important, I, I just don't know. It's very unfortunate, but you're right to support that. But I thought, Kit, do you agree, Trevor, that the first 35 minutes was sort of a little bit strange? There was a lot of individual mistakes from both teams. There was a lot of mistakes from the referee as well. Um, mm. it, it almost took like 35 minutes before we gained any control. And if you're going to get injured, it, it's in those t- t- type of moments, isn't it? You know what I mean? Where you're not 100%. And, and for me, you ended up in a situation in a position where he didn't expect himself to be, isn't he? You know what I mean? Then, then he had to get himself moving again. And, and maybe that was the reason he just felt what he felt. It obviously looks like a soft tissue injury, isn't it? So uh, fingers crossed, isn't it? But yeah, you're right. Thiago came on. We, we gained the control of the game. Although, they still had a couple of moments uh, on the counter attack with with with, with Danny Ings, uh, but uh, no, it was a well deserved. I watched a few of those back after I did the post match show last night. I looked at a couple of the opportunities Danny, Danny Ings had. He had a header from a free kick where um, it was really 
clever attempt and it just sort of helped on a, an, an in-swinger from the uh, the left-hand side and it just flashed over. He had a, a an attempt where he cuts in on the right-hand side of the six-yard box and, and, and Ali makes a save and he has another one as well. And I'm thinking as well of uh, the Coutinho attempt where he does that drop the shoulder. We've seen it a million times in, in, in him doing the red shirt. And he cuts in and curls his effort sort of narrowly over the top as well. Um, and there was a couple of times, obviously, Watkins had the ball in the net, but it was an offside situation. Um, the reason I mentioned this is, as I looked at that team, Jan, um, that Stevie Jarrett um, put on the park last night, I, I'd have to say I'm, I was quite impressed with the, their attacking capacities. I think Matty Cash is so good going forward. I think, uh, obviously, we know all about Luca Dean, but really, really impressed. I think Cash is a real footballer. I think, um, I think um, Watkins is definitely, definitely a handful. He had, he caused a lot of chaos for us last night. Now it was all, it was nice to see on a couple of occasions Virgil just stand up the likes of him or Coutinho, notably at one stage where he thought he had stolen the match, but Virgil just stood him up, and it's like men against boys then. But they do have enough about them that you'd wonder maybe if Douglas Louise is the game of his life or if um, if John McGinn can have a really good game because he's much admired Premier League midfielder as well. They might have enough to do us this sort of like it, 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 you, can, you can see why people are, are hoping that this last day narrative may come true with Stevie smiling on the sideline because it's not total pipe dreams. I mean, they could easily get their arse handed to them by Manchester City. Don't get me wrong easily but at the same time they have enough there don't they there's enough sort of firepower or inventiveness across that team um certainly from midfield on i thought and with the fullbacks bombing on as well they have something the one thing that's been our top six qualities since steven jarrett joined us villa is actually the defensive work they've been really really good defensively uh they weren't so good against us defensively, but I just think that we're very difficult to play against that. End of story. Uh, so the strongest part of their game probably was their attacking, and you're right as you point out that they, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's sort of trying to play with, with two up top. Uh, so you've got Coutinho, he's also got the young boy, the young Argentinian boy, uh, Buendia, who came on, uh, 40 million from Norris, looks, looks a good player. One for the future, isn't it? So, yeah, and you will get chances against Manchester City, isn't it? So, yes, and, and if they can just improve a little bit defensively, go back to what they've been so good at since he joined them in December, then uh, who knows? I mean, as you said, every time you play Manchester City or Liverpool, you're under risk of getting a hammer in. Uh, but you also live in hope that and, and City would have to be below their best. Uh, but that is also quite possible. Can I just get a word from you on the Spurs game? Because obviously people will be thinking back to that, and you know I don't think we've spoken since that. It was it was it was previous that that we had a chat. Uh it, it it did feel quite. It was quite a flattening one. I'm sure you you were working that. I'd be interested to see how you how you how you sort of presented yourself after that one because it was hard to be uh, too pragmatic about it. it did feel like it did feel like a bit of a door closing i won't lie to you um but then part of me was going well we we needed city to cock up anyway uh 
So, uh, you know, I was trying to console myself that way. Did you think we left the points behind us uh, with the Spurs game? Yeah, probably. But based on what happened in the game, probably not. Uh, I misread the game. I thought we'd overwhelmed them with our pressing. And I thought we did. I, I thought our pressing was good. There was a lot of energy in our play. Uh, but the problem was that, that, that when we got the ball, that they were just very cute. Uh, they left you no space in behind. Uh, so you look at Mo Salah, who had a poor game, but there was nowhere for him to run. There was nowhere for him to do his Mo Salah things. Uh, we then did what we also did against Chelsea early on in, in the season at Anfield against 10 men. We, we put a lot of crosses into the box from open play and that just didn't work. Uh, so I think based on the game, the way that the game panned out, it looked about the right result. Uh, I, I fully agree with, with the club at the end, isn't it? It's, it's not the way I want to watch football. It's not the way I could ever coach the team. Uh, but that's what Antonio Conte brings, isn't it? Uh, so it was as difficult as we thought it was going to be. We didn't see an awful lot of Harry Kane, but he was involved with that one goal. Isn't it? And I guessed it. And there was a little bit of luck about that because their right wing back, Emerson Royal, ended up as a left wing back and he was making his way back across the pitch and he just volleyed the ball up in the air, lands at Harry Kane, who's got a lot of quality, isn't he? And the rest was almost like a chess move, wasn't it? Session, Sean, goal. Uh, and then we, we threw everything at them. But... Mentally, physically, I think you can. I think you can get ready from game to game. You know, they, they spend so much time making sure with warm downs and massages and ice baths and refueling and whatever. But mentally, it's a bit more tricky, isn't it? And I just thought that there was a couple of incidents in that game where you think we're just mentally a little bit tired. When I used to play, there used to be a saying that the head wants to, but the legs can't. Mm-hmm. I, that is the case anymore, Trevor. You know, I don't think. Sport allows top elite uh, athletes to get tired. So I think today it's a case of the legs can do it, but the heads the heads can't. So I think that's almost changed from when I used to play, is that the, the legs can do it. There's, the energy is still in the legs, the fitness is still there, isn't it? But the mind just gets tired from time to time. And that was just what I saw in those ends. We just didn't have that normal sort of sharpness about everything that we did whether that's just a basic, simple pass or a run or a cross or whatever, you know, Thiago's cross later on for, for Trent, little things like that, that, that normally you go, bang, can't miss it. So, as I said before, because of the way they play and whatever, I thought it was, it was a fair result. We needed to be, to be better, sharper uh, than, than, than what we were. Speaking of, and this is just to continue in the, in the, the sort of theme of, 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 of the mental side of the game, and speaking of someone who needs to be better and sharper, if we're going to win all the things we want to win, I think last show you and I spoke a bit, and I just put this to you, like, I mean, I, I think I quoted you something that Mo had said in an interview, and he said a couple of different things. He, he was mad to play against Real Madrid. The, I think he may not have used the word vengeance, but he was very clear about who he wanted to play. He didn't have to be a genius to work that out because he had a big kind of cheeky smile on him. Um, he's been talking himself up quite a lot. And I just wonder here, in the wake of this quote here, and again, I can't be 100% positive where this comes from, but apparently it's quite a recent quote where he says, if you compare me with any player in my position, not only in my team, but in the world, you will find that I'm the best, says Mo. And in the last pod, we were talking about how we both kind of quietly like the fact that, you know, he has that self-regard because that only comes from knowing you can do the business. And if he's doing the business, we're all happy. Um, But it's another couple of games that have gone past there. Uh, and 
we have the highest of standards because we're going for the highest of the prizes. And it's not to focus just on Mo Salah, but in the context of him saying the things that he's saying, it's absolutely fair to focus on Mo Salah. So where are you landing in terms of how you, 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 where do you see him at the moment? A lot of people, I've brought this up and they've been incredibly defensive about him and talking about his assists and the amount of minutes he's played and all the rest. So I'm like, okay, you don't have to defend Mo Salah to me. He's, I think he's wonderful. But I just need him to be his very, very best, like we all do, if we're going to get these bloody trophies. So if I'm going, if I'm being critical, it's only in the wake of him talking about how good he is and what he wants to happen. So where, where do you see him now at the moment as this season is drawn to a close? And there's so there, there's the, every game that's left is so bloody important and could really benefit from Mo in top form. I thought last night in his little cameo there were a couple of touches that were just a bit lackadaisical. Even at the end, we could have scored right at the death and. It was just a bit of a bit of a sort of almost lazy touch, uh, and the move breaks down with it. So I'm just, uh, have you any inclinations around that as well? Are you any sort of, are you feeling any way nervous about him, or uh, do I need to just uh, get a grip of myself? No, I'm not. I'm not sure. I feel nervous about it, and I don't think we're being unfair to Mo Salah because all we're doing is comparing Mo Salah against the standards that Mo Salah have set. That that's all we're after, isn't it? We're not asking him to do something he's never done before. We're just asking him to do certain things that he's done in the past. I had a feeling that the first four months of this season were exceptional and it would be very, very difficult uh, for him to maintain those standards. And we shouldn't underestimate either how weird that must be to go away uh, to, to the African combination while the rest of the team is battling on. Uh, so that must be a weird feeling. But ever since he's come back, uh, he hasn't looked himself. Yes, we can, we can argue and defend uh, with the minutes that he's played and the minutes that he's trained because he's always available, isn't it? Uh, and he is still trying. But I think the spark, the, the, the spark just, it just doesn't seem to be there. There used to be something in his eyes, didn't it, Trevor, where you look in his eyes and you go, that man is just a, a one-man wrecking ball, isn't he? You know what I mean? And I, I just look at him now and I'm thinking, and this is the worst thing you can have to a footballer. It's not permanent, but it is the worst thing you can have to a footballer is that when you start doubting what you should do next, you know, certainly for, for most spells at, at Anfield, Mo Salah's never gave a second thought to what he was going to do next. It just all came natural. Uh, and it isn't at the moment. Uh, I take the uh, the one in the second half against Spurs where he comes inside and he shoots and Ben Davies blocks it. Now, normally, Ben Davies wouldn't get anywhere near that because he would, with his confidence... <laughs> shoot away from Ben Davies and the block. But 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 when you're not full filled with confidence whatever, you sort of have a tendency to scuff it a little bit and, and, and it and it sort of doesn't have that it's a bit like a golfer, isn't it, you know, when that swing is right and the, the flow of the ball. Uh, so yeah there is things there is things happening in this game. Uh can he still can he find his top form before the end of the season? We're not writing him off of course we're not but maybe Maybe a six-week six break is what, what, what the boy needs. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, the games coming up, uh, two of which are uh, as as uh, as close to, to monumental as you can get. We've got an FA Cup final against Chelsea. And obviously we've got the Champions League final coming up again as well. We will talk briefly about Southampton, but all the only show in town really is the FA Cup final at this at this point. And Chelsea, of course, are sitting in third. Um, 
<laughs> their position in third is not unassailable. They're on 67 points with Arsenal on 66. And Arsenal plays Spurs, I think, uh, at the weekend, unless I'm mistaken. And Chelsea are currently 1-0 up against Leeds. Um, and they hadn't been on a great run, if we're being honest, uh, up to that. Uh, quite an interesting thing to do to look at Chelsea's most recent form because it had been at the start of the season looking like it was going to be very much three teams duking it out. Well, they have fallen away quite a lot. And Tommy Tuchel's come under a bit of um, not pressure, but criticism. And it's not difficult to see why because you're looking at their most recent results they have a 2-2 draw with Wolves and that's they're at home uh, two Wolves Uh, previous to that they went to Everton and lost 1-0 they had a 1-0 with Man United they had a narrow 1-0 win over West Ham before that for the last time they won a game and then 4-2 defeat uh, to Arsenal again Chelsea at home you got to go back to the FA Cup semi-final for their only other win in recent times, which was a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. This is not a good run of form. And, and not. And I don't know what you think, um, but I can see across my uh, I, I, my Twitter up in here at the moment to see if in case any news is breaking. And I can see everybody's <laughs> saying, fuck this. And they've turned the telly off. They're all gone to bed in disgust um, because, you know, nobody wants to see Chelsea winning before the, the final. He wants to see them continue in this shitty run of form they were in. Um, so when you think about them as, as, as a team, uh, I mean, there's still surely a massive, mighty challenge for us in a one-off game because we all know the players that have got Christ on their day. They they are world beaters, a lot of them. So they really, I, mean, I hope nobody's underestimated the size of this challenge. And I'd really like to hear what you think in terms of what sort of a, what sort of a, a problem they're going to pose on Saturday at Wembley. I think there's, there's a potential on a one-off, a very good team. Uh, there for, for Thomas Tuchel to, to put out. Uh, they've struggled of late. I mean, I'd rather play them at Stamford Bridge than anywhere else because they've been they've been a little bit disappointing at, at, at home, but away from home, they, they, they seem to play with a freedom. Uh, they, they obviously insist on playing with this three-man uh, back line and there's like a 3-4-2-1 system. Uh, Lukaku, I don't know if he's found a bit of form. He scored two goals against Wolves. Is that fine in form? I don't really know. Uh, but if you look at it, you think, their preferred back three would probably be Christensen, uh, Thiago Silva and Rüdiger. And then Reece James right wing back, Marco Alonso left wing back. They'll have Ngole Cancer, but I don't know if he's going to be fit or not. That would be a big loss for him uh, if he's not available. And then they've obviously got other options with Jorginho or Kovacic. Uh, Mason Mount will play. Uh, I think Kai Havertz will play. Uh, and then they'll probably look for a bit of pace, you know, because of Liverpool's high line. They'll look for a bit of pace, whether that's Pulisic or Timo Werner. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but why wouldn't they give us a game, Trevor? We've played them three times this season. We've drawn all three games uh, and they've done really well with 10 men against Anfield for 45 minutes, 2-0 down at Stamford Bridge where they fought their way back and then that excellent League Cup final where they more than played their part. Uh, so it's it's just whether there's more to it. You know, they, 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 their form has fell off. Is there a reason for that or is it just sort of a natural thing? Can they find, can they find their energy again? Uh, can they, can they match Liverpool's uh, energetic way of playing? Uh, I yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? 
you know, this, this, this is a big game for Chelsea, isn't it? And this is the only hope they have of a of a, of, of a trophy, isn't it? So, yeah, let's not underestimate him. I think he's going to be really, really tough. Yeah, that most recent outing, um, it was as Piliqueta, Silva and Rudiger, uh, as you say, James and Alonso, and the central two of Kovacic and, and Loftus-Cheek um, with Pulisic behind Lukaku and Werner. But you look at their bench, Jesus, I mean, like you said, Andreas Christensen, very good player. Uh, Selny Gaze actually came off the bench in the last game, which um, I, I think most people have thought he didn't exist anymore. Ross Barkley's on there, Mason Mount, ZX is on there, um, and Kai Havertz, obviously a wonderful talent when he's on his day as well. The, to, to, to say they, they've got a strong squad is, is such an underestimation. And again, this is something that people need to get their heads around, Jan. This is another club who have quite simply thrown money at the wall and got an assortment of incredibly expensive stars and spent a lot of money on their youth setup as well by recruiting the very best from across and getting them into their academies. Uh, they seem to get some sort of bonus points for that now, despite the fact that, of course, that too is a very cynical way of approaching things and it, it requires money. It's not like they just sort of sprinkle some water out the back of Stamford Bridge and these lads grow out of the ground, you know? Um, there's a lot of naivety in the way people talk about Chelsea. Their uh, status in the game is purely down to one individual's wealth as well. And we need to we need to understand how much of a ludicrous uh, situation it is. And I mean that in the best way, for Liverpool to be 20 points ahead of them in the league. 20 points ahead of them. Um that's 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 remarkable. There will be the added factor, won't there, of the sort of vengeance thing. Does that get balanced up though, Jan, by the fact that um they have let me just see, sorry, I want to just see what games they have left. They have I think Leicester is involved in their running. They have Leicester Watford and they finished the season against Arsenal, I think. Um so that could well be a, a top four decider or a third place decider or whatever you want way you want to look at it. Um it's quite tight there with the with the three London clubs. Um he's not in a position is what I'm saying to you to completely prior, prioritize this FA Cup final or is that just a silly thing to say because if you're in an FA Cup final you prioritize the hell out of that. I don't know how that works because I'm looking at a fellow like Tommy Tuchel who 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 must who whose team must be in the Champions League. Yeah. To follow to, to fall away would be absolutely unthinkable, and yet, looking at the table, it could happen, possibly, maybe not. But it, 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 is there any danger of him having one mind on those remaining three league fixtures? No, I think if they can get himself a win at Leeds tonight, and, and the Watford home game should be enough for them to to to, to safely play in the Champions League next year. But yeah, there's no doubt that. And it takes very little at, at Chelsea. Chelsea's one of these clubs that they don't sort of hang around. Uh, once a manager uh, is not doing well, they get rid. They don't sort of give the manager a chance to, 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 to come back. Uh, once once you're not doing the business, you're out the door and they find somebody else. And so Thomas Tuchel will be under pressure because more was expected. And I think it's this thing about more was expected from obviously Lukaku, uh, Timo Werner, uh, CH, all these players, I, I think the owners kind of go, we need more from these players. And we bought them because they're good players. And Thomas Tuchel haven't been able to, to 
to put that right either. So I think he's under he is under some pressure, yeah. Uh, and I think he's I think he desperately needs to win a trophy. It, 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 this is Chelsea, isn't it? I mean, a modern Chelsea wins a lot of trophies. I mean, they don't go, they don't go many seasons without trophies. And I, th- I think he's I think he's under pressure to win a trophy. Yeah, prioritised. I, I mean, I haven't seen the lineup uh, at Leeds tonight. Uh, that would maybe give you an indication, isn't it? But I, I wouldn't think he would have gone too weak. Uh, you know, I think he would have a, a lot of his big names out. Yeah, I'm just seeing if I can see this. I have it here. He has gone with tonight. He's gone with Lukaku up top, Pulisic and Mount, Kovacic and Jorginho, which is no slouch in the midfield. Um, Reese and Alonso, Reese James and Alonso either side uh, on the wing backs, and Rudiger, Christensen and Chalaba as the centre halves. Uh, they they just have that ability to just swap lads out and still look remarkably strong. It's um it's it's going to be a massive challenge for us, uh, one way or the other. Does it diminish it in any way that we've already played them in a domestic final, or does that enter into it for you at all? I think the fact that we played them three times in all three games from the closest they have, I think that adds to it all. It's it's almost like yeah. it's it's almost like a shootout, isn't it? Listen, you know, I know with with a long way ahead of you. In, in the league in terms of points and, and, and you're out of the Champions League and we're still in all that is the problem. Let's have it. Me against you now. Let's, let's see who the best is, you know what I mean? Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a thing, Trev, isn't it? Go, Chelsea at their best and that's what they've been at Liverpool, even with Timmer and Anfield, they've been at their best. The reason that we're 20 points ahead of them is that they're not at their best often enough. So you have to assume that when we play on Saturday Wembley, they'll be at their best. So you kind of go, okay, Liverpool against the best Chelsea you've got. That's also that. And I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, I I, I love the idea. I love the idea of just... uh... Okay, corral sort of situation and 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 see made made the best team win and uh you know we have we have another game though that that's coming up and it's of huge import as well um regardless of what city do tonight we we need to win against Southampton and keep this thing alive and I think frankly all Liverpool fans want to see um us finish with the maximum points we can just to sort of uh, stare and look straight into the eyes of City and give them absolutely nothing uh, when they do finally, if they do finally win it. Uh, Southampton's going to present an interesting challenge. They are on 40 points, which is the mythical number that you needed always in the Premier League to sort of almost guarantee safety. Uh, they are five points ahead of Everton, who are um, a place behind them in 16th, uh, and uh, six points ahead of Burnley, who are uh, one back again. So they're just flirting with being in that sort of danger zone um, or too close to it for comfort, let's put it that way, but safe enough at the same time. And the way things have gone for them recently, I mean, you mentioned this earlier on, they've been slapped uh, very bad in a few games. Um, on Saturday, they had a 3 um, 0 spanking. Uh, by Brentford. Uh, they had a 2-1 defeat at home to Crystal Palace. Previous to that, 2 all at Brighton. And they had a reversal of 2-0 at Burnley. Um, you got to go back to the 16th of April where they actually beat um, Arsenal 1-0. Uh, but the game before that, they got sp- smacked uh, mightily by Chelsea 6-zip. And again, Southampton were at home. 
So it's hard to understand really what they are at the moment or what it is that they're trying to do. Um, I understand that the Premier League is a very, very difficult place to be. And if you don't have the correct sort of formula uh, and enough of the correct sort of standard of players, you're always going to struggle. Um, you, you could get lulled, Jan, into a false sense of high optimism as you look at this fixture and thinking, is this the one where Liverpool rack up a score? Because, you know, the, equally, any of these teams can put a get can put a, a shift in on the night. And um, I don't think they're going to be fighting for anything. I mean, I look at the table, I think they're safe as houses. So I don't think that's going to come into it. What do you say about the challenge posed by uh, Southampton next Tuesday? Well, it is, uh, it is difficult to be 100% sure what Southampton is about because there's so many changes isn't it, from season to season. Uh, they allow experienced players to go and they bring in young players and they bring in unknowns and they normally do okay. Uh, but it's, I don't think this... It's been a long time since there's been a club who get involved in as, in as many runs as Southampton. Unbeaten in eight where you think, wow, they look a good team. One win in ten, you think, bloody hell, they look terrible, isn't it? So I think they're very, very inconsistent. And that's probably to do with the fact that they might not have enough Premier League experience in that squad, you know, and they, they swap and change between the youngsters and whatever. Uh, they got a couple of uh, youngsters on loan and it's very, very difficult. Isn't it? And then, of course, they have this unbelievable ability to lose 9-0 and 6-0 and 9-0. Uh, there's no team like it, uh, like Southampton. And one thing is for sure, Trevor, right now, right this moment in time, they're not in good form. We, we can't deny that they're, they're, they're in lousy form. Uh, they, they can't get anything right. They, they look all over the place uh, defensively. So, all I'm suggesting, Trevor, is that should City have a little wobble Wednesday or Sunday, and we, we we sort of get that hunger back in our eyes for that game, then I could potentially see, you know, a few goals going in, isn't it? But if City do the job that most people expect them to do, then it's kind of be you know we're going to be resting a few, aren't we? Uh, and then give the big boys a run out for the last game of the season and prepare themselves for the Champions League. Isn't it? So, how we approach that game is very much reliant on, on what City do in those two away games. For sure, it is. And, you know, it's interesting to just look at what they have to offer Southampton as a team. I mean, they've got uh, Forster and Gold, they've got Bednarek and Salisu at centre half in the last outing. Walker Peters and Perot were their um, full backs. Nathan Redmond and Armstrong on the either side of midfield, Ward Prowse and Diallo in the middle, and then Brosha and uh, Armstrong up top. And when you look at what they have to bring off the bench, obviously people recognize Oriel Romeo. He's been there a long time. Shane Long is in the one of these uh, long standing Premier League servants. Che Adams is on there as well. Uh, and a couple of other names that may not be as familiar to people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, it, 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 you want it to be the one where you're playing the opposition who are that absolute cliche of being on the deck chairs, whether they are or not, will remain to be seen. But it's that time of the show, which is the end of the show, where I get a little take from you on how you think the next two fixtures are going to go, because that's the way it's been for us. There's been two games because this team of ours does so well. So uh, Chelsea and Southampton, how do you, how do you see them going, yeah? I think we'll win the FA Cup, uh, but I'm not sure it, it, how. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a long afternoon again, Trevor. I don't think there's a lot between the teams when... Chelsea is one of those teams well-suited to play Liverpool. We, we can't get away from that. The results will suggest that. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if we're looking at another 
extra time, maybe even penalties. And I don't mind penalties because Liverpool's record in penalty shootouts is, is absolutely amazing, isn't it? So I think we'll win the FA Cup. I can't quite guarantee how it's going to happen. Southampton, regardless of, of, of what's on the game and what motivation we have, and all, almost regardless of what team we play, I think we'll beat them. Uh, so all I'm prepared to say is we'll win the FA Cup and I think we'll beat Southampton by at least two. Well, I think everyone listening would take both of those and bite your hand off. Jan, it's been uh, another packed show. Uh, a lot of things coming at you sideways, including audio clips there. So I appreciate you sticking with me as ever. So for another show, thanks very much, man. It's, it has been a hell of a season, Trevor, hasn't it? To think it's not finished yet. And, you know, I think with all the sort of rearranged games and Premier League games, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's been a long old season. As you can imagine also, you know, how tired the players will be. Because even when you're not involved, Liverpool players will be involved tonight, you know, they'll be watching the, the, the game from the Molineux, isn't it? So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, we're going to pick up a few more trophies, that's that's for sure, isn't it? But on and up, but until next week, Trevor. 100%, my friend. Um, for those who are listening, uh, it looks like Chelsea are going to probably do the job. Daniel James has gotten himself sent off for them and they are a goal up against Leeds United. So we shall see how that pans out. We shall see how the City game pans out. Um, Jan and I will be back with you to talk about the FA Cup final and to talk about the Southampton game and to look forward to the big games that remain. Um, it's been the way all season. Thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate your support and all the kind words. Uh, do pass us on to a friend of yours um you know they're going to like the show you're going to they're going to want to hear what Jan has to say so for another one from me and from Jan Malby thanks very much and we'll talk to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.